0: Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. This time on the show, I'm joined by SpeedSport and Sprint Car and Midget Magazine contributor Kyle McFadden to talk all things Central Pennsylvania Sprint Car Racing. He gives us the rundown on what's happened so far this season, what to expect this weekend and beyond. Plus, we talk about a ton of different drivers, including Matt Campbell, Tim Schaefer, and many others. We also discuss whether or not there is currently a changeover happening to a new generation of racers between the area's big tracks. Enjoy my conversation with Kyle McFadden <music> First off, I feel like you're one of those names that we've seen kind of pop up here in in recent years with, you know, a lot more coverage on speed sport and sprint car. But give me just a quick kind of rundown on on your background and kind of how you got to this point.
1: Yeah. So before I got with speed sport, I was actually covering college basketball and high school sports for various newspapers back at home, like the Frederick News Post, where I live back in Maryland, Baltimore Sun, Marston Post. I used to run a website called Maryland sports access where I would go all over the state and cover high school games and college games kind of similar to what I do in PA just with racetracks and racing and things like that and then last May uh kind of when racing was getting back going during the pandemic um I really had nothing going on and I just wanted to kind of uh always always grew up a race fan but never really got too serious with the racing coverage and the racing just like the writing and things like that and i had a pretty extensive journalism background up up to that point and i just kind of wanted to get my feet wet and that and kind of branch out and sprint car racing was right in in my backyard um two hours away for me at the very most um so I was like why not try to give it a shot and here we are now so yeah
0: do you have I mean like what's your kind of background with sprint car racing like did you go to races as a kid like I mean were you aware of the community like you know what was your knowledge have you been trying to kind of learn through all of this as well
1: yeah so I grew up a big late model fan um my dad would take me to the track a lot through the years um Hagerstown Speedway that was like my home track uh i only live like 40 minutes away from hagerstown and so that's where i would be a lot as a kid and honestly i didn't see my first sprint car race until 2017 Uh, i think that was the year i was kind of going through social media and saw that kyle larson was racing a sprint car near me and i was like well dad like i got nothing going on tonight so might as well go see this race with kyle larson in it and i'll never forget the first time when i saw a sprint car rolling down the front stretch at at hagerstown speedway i was honestly hooked in that moment and uh eh, it's been a lot of learning up to this point because i didn't really watch sprint cars growing up you know just the names and the history of the sport and just how the cars work in general Um, so it's been a lot of learning in that regard, but honestly, I think it's really cool because I'm kind of in this with an open mind. Don't really didn't really have any drivers that I knew growing up in sprint car racing. I knew nothing. And so it's really cool to just kind of go into this with an open mind. Um, you know, as a late model guy growing up, I would have never really thought I'd be this involved in sprint car racing, but here things are now and yeah so it's fun
0: i want to talk to you a ton about central pa stuff and obviously You know, the the kind of beginning of the season here, I feel like we've had a ton of different winners um, and it doesn't really seem like, you know, we we haven't had a Deweese or a Dietrich or, you know, a Macri or somebody really kind of seize control of some of these places, um, you know, between Lincoln and, and Williams Grove and Port Royal. And, you know, we got guys like Justin Peck coming in here winning kind of give me your overall impressions of the the central PA sprint car season here kind of early in the in the spring here.
1: Yeah, honestly, it's kind of hard to judge, you know, I was kind of talking with Danny Dietrich about this, you know, when do you feel like things are going to ramp up, when do you feel like you will get a good feel of your race program feel of the competitors around you kind of where you feel like you stack up. And honestly, I, I think, up to this point, um, you know. Dylan sisney has been really strong. Chase Dietz has been really strong. Those are kind of two names that when you look at the Pennsylvania fold and you look at guys like Freddie Raymer, Danny Dietrich, and Anthony Macri, you know, those three were kind of the three in PA last year that won their fair share. I think Macri won 11 times. Danny won 12 times. I think Freddie won nine times. So that's over 30 wins right there last year. Um, And then kind of after that, it kind of tailed off in terms of the weekly guys. Um, So it's really cool to see Tim Schaefer come in here, you know, have the instant success that he's having in that Hefner car, Um, you know, Brandon Raymer too. He's a new name that has run well um, up to this point in the season. He's 10th in the central PA point standings. Uh, Alan Crimes. Snapped a year-long windless drought at Lincoln, um, so it, it's it's cool to see these new faces emerge, and also see guys like Alan Crimes, you know, kind of break long windless droughts, and then Jimmy Siegel too. I think he broke a three-year windless drought at Lincoln this past weekend. So it's really cool to kind of see old faces emerge. You know, Tim Schaefer coming in with the posse uh, in that Hefner car. And to, uh, you know, see guys like Dylan Sisney, you know, can they keep this up? Can he build on this? Can he build into something even more, you know, as the bigger races start to come in to the picture, you know, over these next few months? But, um, you know, I feel like we're really going to get a good feel maybe this weekend at Lincoln with the first time trial show there and kind of see where guys programs are. because we all know that, you know, time trials and sprint car racing, I I mean, that's where it's won, you know, that's where the nights are won. So, you know, who has that speed, who can lay down those two quick laps, you know, who has their program in place for those big shows. So, um, Danny Dietrich, when I was talking with him two weeks ago, he feels like, you know, once we get those time trial shows going, that's when he feels like, you know, where things are with him and where things are with everybody else so hopefully this past or this weekend we can maybe kind of see where guys are Uh, it's kind of tough you know with the pill draws and you know things like that to really see where programs are but you look through the field and 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 see guys like chase deets who are advancing you know their race car seems like five six spots every night to finish on the podium and guys like Carrie Matson, you know, driving through the field and Tim Schaefer went 14th to fourth last weekend at the Grove and, you know, kind of see where,
0: you know, see what they can do
1: uh, in a time trial format. So, yeah.
0: For those people that aren't super up on central PA scene, give me an idea about like the kind of format of the racing. It's a little bit different in central PA than it is certain places. You know, you mentioned the pill draw there, but, but give me an idea about kind of what that general central PA format is on a nightly basis.
1: Yeah, so you got your handicap format, like at Lincoln. Um, I'm pretty sure their handicap format is the central PA points. Um, So central PA points are paid first through 10th or awarded first through 10th. You got 50 points for first place. And then going on back to 10th, you get 10 points. And so I believe that's how uh, they invert things. It's a full invert um to my knowledge at the grove i think it's just a random draw like a random pill draw uh and then at port royal they have a handicap format too so um you know that shakes things up quite a bit because you're going into the night you know if you win at lincoln one week you're probably going to be starting in the back the next week uh if you don't finish the race at Lincoln one week, you're going to be running, uh, up front or have a chance to run up front the following week. Um, and then obviously at the Grove, your night's kind of dependent upon what pill you draw. Um, so you know, that as you know, the race fan inside of me wishes they would time trial every night or, you know, kind of do away with, with these whole pill draw things. I kind of like the handicap format too, because I was talking with I have a good friend who owns a race team, uh, a 358 race team. He um, you know, with the handicap format, yes, it's can get kind of dangerous when you got slower cars up front, but it it gives those teams an opportunity to um you know get better each week showcase what they have try to make a few extra bucks and hopefully like in return you know they can put that toward their race teams and you know keep on building toward toward their uh you know future endeavors but um you know kind of wish we did away with the whole you know pill draw formats and the handicap shows and just wish we time trialed every week that's just me but you know don't really see that changing anytime soon
0: do you think that because of the way the format is is like why we've seen some of these guys like Wagaman and Jim Siegel and some of these guys that have won lately like they've gotten these opportunities because they've gotten those decent pill draws yeah you know the first um definitely that first the
1: icebreaker you know Tim started Tim Wagaman started I believe he started on the front row um you know, Justin Peck has definitely gotten lucky, definitely gotten fortunate with those pill draws here. He's got two wins in Central PA and looking through now. He's got second place on opening day at the Grove, and he started up front or started uh, toward the front in that too. So, um, yeah, you know, those guys, um, you know, not, you know, Tim Wagam, I was watching him last year. You know, he was really fast. All throughout the year. So you know, and I didn't really see this past weekend's race at Lincoln, the one that Jimmy Sagal won. Um, but you know, pill draws for sure have been you know, kind of setting the setting the tone for the night, uh, or setting the tone early this season in Central PA. So yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to discredit you know, wins up to this point or putting like asterisks on wins or like whatever. But, you know, because like Justin Peck's had speed, even without a good pill draw, you know, uh, the icebreaker at Lincoln, he uh, almost didn't qualify for that race. And he ended up finishing ninth uh, on a track that was very hard to pass. It was hammered down, wet, very heavy. Um, So, you know, you look at performances like that, that kind of validate his speed so far. So, I mean, to some degree, yes, some, no, you kind of do have to look at, you know, kind of break things down during the course of the night and kind of see how guys are running elsewhere, you know, if they're not starting up front and kind of look at like, look at the other races they've ran and see what they've done. So, yeah, but as, as I mentioned earlier, I think we're going to get a good
0: feel on, you know, where guys are at this weekend
1: at Lincoln with their time trial programs.
0: I um I, I like to have fun with Jeremy Elliott once in a while and and he posted his his top fifty this week and, and mentioned the the Justin Peck pill draw as, as something, you know, that you know he thought obviously had helped Peck win those races. And I came at him a little bit just because, you know, it's it's not easy to win anywhere. I don't care if you're in Pennsylvania or with the outlaws or the all-stars or Ohio or California, like you still have to go win the race. Right. So, but i feel like you know that like something that kind of came out of that conversation was that people kind of thinking central pa is is down a little bit in terms of talent or you know, maybe some of these young guys just aren't quite to the level of some, you know, if you start talking about some of the guys of the past, Stevie Smith and, and, you yeah, know, the names um, are big. Yeah, exactly. Like these Hoffman guys in the past, and, like, you know, we're, we're yeah. maybe not where we have been in the past, but like you look around and it's, it's Macri and it's, it's, you know, Dylan Sisney and and it's Freddie Raymer. Like you've got a lot of young guys that are super talented, but, but where do you think we are kind of in the terms of, of central PA sprint Card talent right now?
1: Yeah, I was talking with, talking with Jared Esh about this last weekend or two weekends ago at Port Royal, and his dad is Doug Esh. You know, very accomplished racer in the area, and you know, he told me, and it, and, and this is no surprise, but the drivers are feeling this. He said it might be a weird transition, you know, from eight years ago, even three, four, five years ago to the next three, four, five, six years, you know, maybe not that long, but at least right now, you know, it's a weird transition. So because when you look at the record books, I was compiling wins and I'm still in the process of doing that. And, you know, Lance has got well over 300 wins. And then you have Danny Dietrich, who has uh, over 100 wins between the five main tracks. Williams Grove, Lincoln, Port Royal, Baps, and Sealands Grove. But after that, it was a huge fall-off. Mm-hmm. I think Freddie Raymer's got 30 wins. Uh, you know, Lucas Wolf's got over 40 between those five tracks, but he's not in the area. You know, not now. He's with the All-Stars. Um, Anthony Macri's got 10, I think. I think Dylan Sisney's got seven between those five tracks. And, you know, so in terms of you know, you look at the history books and it it really opens your eyes and it's like, wow, you know, there's a lot of faces that are unproven. And so, you know, as Keith Kaufman told me, I was on the phone with him this past week. It's like, you know, those guys are going to win races, but it's like, how many of them are they going to win? Because when you think of the greats like Lance DeWeese and Fred Raymer, like they've had 20 win seasons, 30 win seasons. A guy like Danny Dietrich hasn't won over 20 yet. And so, you know, I know that's on his mind. I did I did a story on him to start the year. And that's like one thing that he badly wants to do. He wants a 21 season. He hasn't had that yet. And so when you look at the greats and the wins list and all the guys that, you know, we say they are legends in the sport, you know, they've won 30 races a year. They've won. They've had multiple 21 seasons. So when you look at the guys now, it's like, okay, like who's going to rise up to that, you know, who's going to fill out that role. Are we even going to have somebody who's going to win, you know, to that extent. Um, and then also too, like when you think of the posse, it's like, you know, it's guys who can beat the outlaws, you know, who has the speed to contend with the outlaws each and every single week. And, you know, Danny Dietrich, he's beaten the outlaws before more than once. He did it, I think, two years ago at Bridgeport. Um, so he's done it recently. You know, Lance didn't didn't do it last year. Uh, but we know that he can do it anytime he rolls into the track. But then a guy like Freddie Raymer, who's like top three in that picture, um, you know, he doesn't have an outlaw win at the Grove. And he only has one outlaw win. And that was at Lincoln, I think in 2017. So, you know, I think, you know, it's a weird transition. Um, You know, I didn't grow up watching the posse in their heyday in the golden years, but I do watch old clips and highlights and races here and there and, you know, try to learn and, and try to put myself back then and kind of picture what life was like and, you know, it's, um, it's, we'll see what happens. You know, I think the drivers feel it. Um, I know Chase Dietz, I was having a conversation with him. You know, he feels, he feels that pressure of trying to live up to it, especially for him, like in that Trone car, you know, a car that's got so much history. That's that won so much, even with Greg Haughton in it. And, um, yeah, so a lot of fresh faces. I'm just kind of looking, looking down the list, like Chase Deets and Brandon Raymer. You know what? You know what? What can he do now in a full time ride at the Grove? Uh, you know he's obviously at Lincoln every Saturday night. Um, you know guys like Logan Wagner, Jeff Halligan's got good speed early on. Matt Campbell taking over that 21 car that Brian Monteith made famous in Lincoln. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, comes down to, you know, who's going to take advantage of this transition period and, you know, who has the speed to contend with outlaws. You know, I, I think that's that, that, that will really define things, you know, as we transition into these next, you know, this next year, two, three, four, five years, because I think Lance DeWeese, you know, God forbid something happens to him, right? But, you know, we'll, uh, you know, he'll be competitive as long as he stays healthy for these next five years. That's what he thinks. So he's not going anywhere anytime soon, you know, as long as the 69K team stays healthy, intact, and together, you know, I feel like we can see Lance racing well into 2025, well into 2026. Um, So, It'll be cool to have him around, you know, hopefully that long to kind of ease along this transition, so to speak. But, yeah, no, I mean, the drivers feel it. Uh, I feel it, and I haven't even been around the sport that long, you know, just the youth and the inexperience. And, you know, last year was the first time that the Posse didn't beat the Outlaws uh, since
0: 1998, so – um you do know. you think that like, you know, if we, we kind of look around the national scene, right. And you've got, you know, you mentioned Brent Marks there, but you know, he's running all stars. You've got Zierfoss out with the outlaws. And then even like Logan and Jacob, Yeah, you know, those are, those are four guys that would probably be pretty serious, heavy hitter guys in Pennsylvania. And it's like, I feel like it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Like you've got these great guys true. coming out to the national scene, but then you're also missing them on a, on a local basis. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where do you kind of think, I mean, it, it, do you think those guys would have kind of filled some of those holes if they would have stuck That's around true. Pennsylvania? That's true. I thought about that last night. Uh, as I was writing this
1: story about the Posse and that'll go in our May Magazine issue. And, yeah, you know, it's definitely interesting to look at the guys who are out on the road. Um, And, you know, they have to be in that conversation too, right? Homegrown, PA grown, out on the road, doing great things like Logan Shuhart's got it. You know, he will be right in the hunt of that championship chase and Jacob Allen and, you know, Brent Marks has been – improving that program on the road you know as these years go on and um yeah you know it's um i don't think that gets talked about enough you know when we look at the posse and the transition period and the guys going out on the road and that seems to be maybe the new thing you know and um and then that makes you think like well maybe who's next you know who could be going out on the road more and you think about guys like Anthony Macri, you know, is he going to stay around much longer in PA or is he going to hit the road? Um, you know, Dylan Sisney has talked about wanting to hit the road more. So it just kind of makes your mind churn and think about, well, who's next? Um, yeah, you know, to answer that question, yeah, for sure. Um, and then a guy like Lucas Wolf, who we know what he can do in the wheel or in the race car and, um but he hasn't been the same since that accident two years ago at port royal um you know the second accident i think that was his second race back after he hurt his back uh and that was a pretty vicious accident and uh you know he hasn't really been the same since but um yeah you know Brock zero too you know uh didn't win last year in PA, but, you know, he was strong and confident and really looking forward to this Word of Outlaws run. So, um, yeah, you know, you you take those guys and you kind of take away, put them back in PA and, um, you know, it's not as strong as the posse of old, but, I mean, it's certainly strong.
0: I, I want to ask too about you, you you kind of mentioned Schaefer in there and the Hefner car and, and obviously the Hefner car wasn't super fast last season and had a mm. few different drivers through it and they made some changes. But now this year with Schaefer behind the wheel and Heath Moyle kind of leading that deal, you know, yeah. what, what do you think is possible there? I feel like Schaefer was kind of a guy that you know people thought was maybe kind of at the tail end of this thing. You know, maybe he hasn't, you know, been what he's been in the past. And now now it seems almost like he's been revitalized a little bit and that team's picked up a couple of wins yes. and, and looking pretty good.
1: Yeah. You know, Tim. He's been around this thing a very long time, and when he told me after he went, uh, he picked up, like, 14 positions one night at Lincoln, might have been the second night or first night, might have been the icebreaker, Um, he said he hasn't been this comfortable in a race car probably ever. and That's, like, you look at the things he's done, like, this is a, a Knoxville Nationals champion here that we're talking about, and to hear him say that, it's like, okay, like, you know, things are really clicking over there. And, um, you know, you think, you know, you look at a combination like that, you know, yes, the 72 didn't really have a great year last year. You know, I had like three different drivers in it, Ryan Smith, Shane Stewart, and then Darren Pittman, you know, didn't really have a great year. Um, but also too, like you look at, you know, Ryan Smith and, you know that whole deal kind of didn't work out and you know yeah you know it he takes that hard and I know lots of fans and people are hard on him for not making that work and things like that that's a tough transition from Greg Hodnett you know and what happened there to throwing Ryan in there and you know try to make that work and and then you wonder like well is the car good enough was Greg that good you know like Things, you know, you start to wonder there. And then the transition period happened last year. I think Heath came in midway through the season um, to kind of scope things out. And, you know, that's when Ryan Smith and Hefner kind of parted. Um, And so, you know, to bring in Darren Pittman and, you know, they had speed last year and You know, how Darren drives the race car and how Tim Schaefer drives the race car, they're completely different. That's what Heath at least told me. Um, And so, you know, like it is in any professional sport, any sport period, you know, it takes time for a team to gel together and kind of form an identity and a notebook. And, uh, but to see what they've done, this early in the season and the success and the speed certainly isn't surprising, but it just kind of like wow, like you know things are really clicking over there and the personalities gel and you know and that's important and 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 things that people don't really think about in sports and in racing is you know the personalities have to click, you know, uh, c- communication factor is a huge thing too. So yeah, you know Tim, I think he's going to win. You know, it's hard to put a number on it, but it'd be hard pressed if, for him not to win at least a dozen races, I think, in that car. Maybe 15, you could hit 20. I don't really know. I think if you look at potential, you know, far, you know, you look at speed week, Pennsylvania speed week, and, you know, some early kind of favorites to win that, Tim's got to be in that picture, you know in that car so we'll see it uh it's cool to see him run well so you know at this stage in his career and you know in that hefner car and you know just just to kind of give more life to this area um you know i know all the younger drivers appreciate him being here you know because you learn from that stuff too so and it's an important i think it's important for him to be here too especially during this kind of transition period as we've talked about so yeah
0: In mentioning that transition period, like the, the, uh, you know, one of the drivers that is kind of not in the picture anymore, that that won a ton of races is Brian Monteith and, and that 21 car. But I'm curious, (laughs) what is your sense and kind of what is the community feeling around Matt Campbell? Like, I know, I think I've seen Danny Dietrich tweet some pretty nice things about Matt Campbell, but you know, is is he a guy we should really be paying attention to kind of in the years to come here?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, Jerry Parrish owns that 21 car. He's, said it to me many times and Matt's even said it to me you know that Matt reminds Jerry a lot of Brian back when he was hired in that car back in 2002 or 2003 or something like that so you know yes he doesn't have the resume he doesn't have the big number of wins growing up through the years or this or that but he's you know you watch him race and he races a lot like Brian you know um, always pushing the car to, you know, uh, to the limit. Um, you know, he's got the work ethic, he's in the shop multiple times a week. Um, great kid too, got a great personality. Um, you know, he's had to navigate hard things just to get here. Um, you know, the death of his dad, that's really weighed on him through the years. Um, You know, but what he, when you look at the success that he's had in his family car, the 16C, um, you know, because his family, not a lot of people know about this, they kind of jumped into sprint car racing, didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge of it. And to see, you know, how kind of, how far they came in that short amount of time, and to see, you know, him pick off multiple wins. Um, throughout their two, three years together in that family car is no small feat. And to see him kind of jump in and take this opportunity in that 21 car, we all know how good that car can run and, you know, how good that car has been over the years with um, Brian Monteith in it. I think, you know, he's definitely one of those guys that uh, will grow into, you know, when we look at, guys 10 years from now 15 20 years from now um I think he'll be a guy you know in that conversation in terms of you know posse guys you know who have really made a name for themselves so yes you know and he's young you know he's only 22 I think um you know and I think this is his fourth year a full-time sprint car race fourth or fifth so usually takes about four or five years just to really see consistent results in a 410 sprint car you know they're just that hard to drive and you know experience is is big and so you know give that a little bit more time and i think we'll start seeing things with them so yeah
0: uh we are it is obviously april 1st as we sit here so we've had you know kind of <laughs> three three months here of the season so far but you know obviously you're putting out content all the time and and you know mm-hmm. you cover sprint cars and late models and all kinds of stuff but as you look back kind of over these first three months you know what's a story or a couple of stories that you've written that you were really excited to put out you know something that you thought was really neat yeah
1: um what i did on brian monteith was pretty cool i thought you know just kind of talking with jerry Parrish. Um, just about what made him special. The one on Shane Stewart, I was really proud of. You know, just kind of telling his story and you know what, why he bought Port City and you know, you know what could come with that. I'm trying to think. Um, there's one I'm working on on Kyle Larson right now. I'm actually working on a bunch right now. I would say, um, was saying because that was going to be
0: my other question: is what do you, right, What do you I've have got coming?
1: So many stories coming, and I'm kind of in a weird transition period myself going through some kind of personal things, just kind of, you know, adulting, so to speak. Um, But, yeah, I'm working on a story on Kyle Larson right now, writing one on Lance DeWeese that'll be in our May magazine issue. Got more things coming out on guys like Freddie Raymer, Chase Deets, Lucas Wolf, kind of feature stories. And uh I've got a lot planned. Uh, but up to this point, I'm trying to think. Um anything else I put out. I haven't really put out too many big stories at this point in the season, kind of behind on work, but um yeah, you know, the one I did last year on Lance Louise and Kyle Larson's friendship, I thought I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, just to kind of get those two to open up. You know, people don't really think about that, you know, when you think about guys like Lance Louise and Kyle Larson who are pretty keep to themselves. You know, they're pretty shy guys. They don't really share a whole lot. So um, to get them to share enough about their personal lives was really cool. Um, you know, cause guys don't really think about it. People don't really think about it. You know, if I'm a driver and if I see this person like me, who's a young reporter and they don't really know him like do you trust him? You know, things like that, right? So it's just cool to earn trust and just to go in depth behind the scenes and just kind of tell stories, you know, so that's really cool. Um, So I got a lot coming out here, hopefully within this next month or two. Um, And I hope people enjoy it because definitely not easy to do to earn the trust and to tell stories and, you know, and, and just try to, Enhance, you know, the racing experience for fans and um, really give them more of a behind the scenes look at, you know, who these drivers are telling their stories, giving them a look that they can't really see from the grandstands or behind their computer screens when they're streaming races. So, yeah, I love it. I'm excited for what's to come. Um, And yeah, I'm just looking forward to this whole year.
0: What, uh, as you look around, you know, maybe, maybe something in central Pennsylvania, maybe something with the all-stars or outlaws, like what's a couple of things you're going to kind of keep your eye on here going forward, uh, kind of in the sprint car world.
1: You mentioned it. I think the all-stars are going to be super fun to watch this year. You know, the outlaws, we all love the outlaws, you know, they're going to be super competitive this year. And that championship, I think is going to come down to the final races, I think. Um, but the all-stars, you know, there's so much on un- unknowns there. Uh, you got guys, it seems like, coming in from every corner of the racing world. And you got Tyler Courtney, you know, all the USAC success that he's had. You know, you, you have the Pennsylvania guys like Brent Marks and Lucas Wolf and Kyle Reinhardt. And then you got Corey Eliasen coming back, who's finished second, I believe, the Aaron Wright's the past two years. Um, you know, can he take his game to the next level and finally capitalize and win a championship? um you know you got guys like bill Baylog um on the all-star tour I'm trying to think see if there's anybody else oh Justin Peck yeah you know he's so strong right now and really confident too and that's big you know confidence is key you know he's won twice since Central pa he's run very well honestly you know those wins at the grove and Port Royal you know, those are big confidence boosters, but as I mentioned earlier, going from almost not making the show at Lincoln because of an absolutely terrible pill draw to finishing ninth uh, at the icebreaker on a very heavy, wet track. You know, honestly, I looked at that performance in that first race out of the box in that 13 car for him in PA, and I'm like, dang, like, this guy's going to be good in this car. You know, so it's like you look at those performances and, you know, I don't know who should be deemed the favorite in the all-star tour, but right now, like if you want to buy stock on drivers, like buy stock on Justin Peck, you know, just to see what he's done in a short amount of time in that car and a confidence and just like the way he talks and the way he communicates to his team that matters too. He's So he's so detailed with the way that he describes his race car and, you know, how he breaks things down and, um, so yeah, you know, that's going to be a fun series to watch. Um and then you know, the outlaws, you know, when is Donnie going to pick up when 300, you know, and um you know, Brad Sweet really molded into his elite self, you know, in the sprint car world and uh the shark racing guys like Logan Shuhart and Jacob Allen, you know, can can they keep raising the bar? Um you know, David Gravel's been good, too, in that big-game car, you know, and Carson Macedo's been good in that 41 car. Um, so there's a lot of storylines right now, you know, to really watch um, out, at, out in Knoxville. You know, Brian Brown, you know, um, looking forward to him coming to PA when he can. Um, yeah so you know there's a lot of moving parts and pieces right now in the sprint car world and it's a lot to keep up on and uh appreciate what you do too given you know good light to dirt track racing and sprint car racing and late late model racing too you know late model racing you know sprint car racing is tough but i i don't think it gets tougher than late model racing honestly dirt late model racing you know and um You know, that'll be fun to watch from afar, too, you know, just kind of how things shake out with the World of Outlaws late models. You got Kyle Strickler now running with them, I think, with Brandon Shepard and, you know, Jonathan Davenport, Jimmy Owens, and, uh, you know, Tim McCready, Josh Richards on the Lucas Oil late model series. Um, You know, they come to PA here pretty soon in the next uh, two and a half weeks. So, yeah look forward to watching them and yeah i think it's going to be a great year racing people want that full year back after last year and um you know looking forward to
0: I think uh, you know the the like one of the things I'm excited about, and and I talked about it actually yesterday on my daily show is is this Bloomsburg Fairgrounds racetrack, and and I'm yeah. curious you know what you know about the situation there. Uh, you know I mentioned yesterday Steve O'Neill is promoting this, and if, if people know anything about Steve O'Neill, it's that he's brought yeah. Royal into this incredible facility. So yeah, you, know, you know what what have you heard about that racetrack? Are you going to get a chance to go see some races there? Or you know where are you at with Bloomsburg? I don't really know
1: much, honestly. Um, all that you know, Steve O'Neill once. You know, it's really cool to see a racetrack come back to life, Um, you know, and, but when you, when I saw that Steve O'Neill was going to be doing it, well, first I saw the USAC races were going there, and then I'm like, well, these guys mean business, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. going to bring the USAC here multiple times in your first year, you know, that means a lot and then to see steve o'neill kind of come in and and lead the charge with the promotion side of things you know that's when i was like okay like this can really be something big um so i think that's awesome you know to see a guy like steve come in i haven't really talked to steve a whole lot as to why why bloomsburg on top of port royal you know, and what kind of are some things he has planned for that and the kind of the visions for Bloomsburg and Port Royal, which I would imagine, you know, Bloomsburg, I've never been there, but it's probably a completely different environment than Port Royal from what I am kind of thinking, or they could be the same. I don't really know. But, um, you know, it's really cool to have a three eighths mile track NPA on top of Lincoln because, honestly, in my opinion, you know, the three eighths tracks, the four tenths tracks, like Lincoln best, I think they produce the the best kind of racing, you know, it's, it's not too small, but it's not too big where things can get kind of strung out and not boring, but you know, don't really see a whole lot of passing sometimes on the big tracks. And so it's really cool to see Bloomsburg come back into the picture all these years later and I don't really, I don't see any 410 races on the schedule, 410 wing races on the schedule, but hopefully next year, you know, they can get some races on the schedule there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. They have a kind of diverse slate of races. You know, you got the USAC coming in, you got the midgets coming in, you got late models coming in, you got midgets, you got 305s, you got modifieds, you know, the, uh, super dirt series is i think coming in later on in the year so that's awesome you know so um you know right as when things couldn't get bigger npa in terms of racing and tracks you know to to see to see bloomsburg come in in an age where people freak out when racetracks you know die basically and and don't really come back and you know rightfully so it's sad when tracks kind of fade out and and kind of don't come back and they have to be torn down it's it's really cool to see bloomsburg come in and and to see what's happening there and i hope to go out to a race this year i plan to at least be there for the midget week midget week races and so yeah we'll see i uh you know, my schedule is quite busy. I got like 100 races planned for the year, which is awesome. But it's a lot to keep track of, too. So
0: we'll see. Yeah, well, for sure. I uh, appreciate the time today. I'll let you go on this. But I, I want to know uh, kind of as we close out, you, you know, your kind of history covering stick and ball sports and, and coming into to motorsports. When you kind of compare athletes to race car drivers and, you know, you've talked about confidence and stuff with Justin Peck. Yeah, you, you see, kind of crossover, and then on top of that, like you know, with what you know about stick and ball guys, you know, when you come in and, and kind of interview race car drivers, can you get a sense from those guys, you know, who is going to be good and, and maybe who's going to struggle just based on personalities and and things about them as you interview them?
1: I've never had that question asked before. It's probably the biggest one. I think you can sense a lot. I think you can sense a whole trajectory of a person's of a race car driver's career based off of how they speak, the way they speak. What they think of themselves, their team, how they communicate things, confidence level, how they build on things onto the next race. And then you look at, too, like you look at small spurts, small chunks of a driver's racing career or season. And it's like, okay, like they were running so well here. What happened here? You know, what happened along the lines? And, you know, how are they trying to get out of that? So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. I think it's all correlated. I think it's all connected. Um, I was having a conversation with Kyle Larson uh, last month or right after his – few days after his Vegas win, and I'm kind of working on a story on him. Um, the mentality part of it for him was huge. You know, you look at a guy like Kyle Larson who we all know what he does on dirt, but for so many years he couldn't get over that – chili bowl hump and when he won the chili bowl that's when when he won the chili bowl last year that's what opened the floodgates for his huge year and for even what he's doing now um you know so you look at confidence is everything and you know to you know the an athlete's mind is an athlete's mind, no matter what sport it is, no matter what they're doing. Um, I So to be around, you know, to be around college basketball players and to be around race car drivers, obviously, you know, can't really compare much. But the one thing that you can compare is their mindsets and the way they prepare and the way they study and watch and film. Like, I coach basketball. And we watch lots of film, right, on our teams and how we play and other teams, too, and how they play and styles of basketball. And it's really cool to talk with drivers. like They also watch film on themselves, on racetracks, on other drivers. Like Lance DeWeese, even last year, was watching bits, and he was watching lots of races of Kyle Larson on – how to run the fence at Port Royal just so he can try to have a little piece of that in his racing game. So, and then for those who saw what he did uh, the night before the test score of 50, he was running the fence, not as good as Kyle Larson. actually, you know, he ran the fence well Pretty enough good. to neutralize <laughs> what Kyle Larson was doing at least in turns, turns one and two. At port royal so it's really cool to kind of you know hear drivers talk about other drivers and you know the confidence and what they think of you know what they think they need to do to get better and you know and then you kind of get a feel of body language and you know talk about what they're trying to do to get better and watch film and things like that in preparation and you know and um you know the 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 drivers that bounce around a lot and don't really, I feel like, settle themselves down. Those are the ones that I don't really worry about, but you kind of look at it and they're like, OK, like, you know, at some point in time, you need to develop relationships in the sport. And, you know, that's that's key. Um, so, you know, a guy like Shane Stewart, who values their relationships all throughout all throughout his time during racing and because he valued his relationships, he's now an owner of Port City. So um it even goes beyond that. So you have to think about life after racing. But, yeah, it's that, that side of me I think is really cool in terms of translating or translating that, you know, taking what I kind of learned along the way you know throughout covering college basketball and high school sports and kind of taking that into the racing side of things and kind of having a pretty solid feel on you know how successful teams run and work and function and you know how drivers kind of kind of go about their business so well
0: yeah. give me the uh, give me the plug zone where can we follow you and where can we find your work
1: yeah, so you can find my work on Speed Sport and Sprint Cart and MidgetMagazine.com. I'm on Twitter at by Kyle McFadden. It's just BY and then my name. Uh those are the main kind of three outlets that I post my work, have have my work published, and uh yeah, trying to tweet more, trying to get more creative with, you know, social media, content, ideas, this and that. Not really a huge you know fan of being on social media all day every day but (laughs) you know just for various reasons but yep um yeah trying to be more creative with trying to you know give fans more creative content and you know things that they want to see and hear and read so yeah
0: well Kyle McFadden thanks for the time today
1: thank you so much man for just uh you know taking the time out of your day to have me on and hope to do this again soon
0: Make sure to follow Kyle all season long as he reports live from a ton of different dirt races. Plus, check out his work at Speed Sport and in Sprint Car and Midget Magazine. He's definitely got some great stuff coming up. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.